The text, as I mentioned, is mainly the gospel lesson from Mark 9. A famous evangelist decided to write a book on humility. Unfortunately, its publication was delayed because the typesetter ran out of capital I's. In order to be last, you must give others a place ahead of you. And this is important to realize if you are interested in reaching first place, because Jesus says here, whoever wants to be first must be last of all and servant of all. Realize also that given the kind of world we live in, the people you have to allow ahead of you in line will be a very mixed bag. You can't pick and choose, of course, because that would mean the discards would be behind you in line, and then they would become last and so get to be first. That's what Jesus said. Are you confused yet? Jesus said this, first must be last in order to be first word, after the disciples failed to get that that was exactly what Jesus himself was about to do. He was about to permit a disciple to betray him, about to agree to be put to death so that everyone could be first with God. The easy way out of the dilemma might seem to be stop wanting to be first. Would that we could, but if we're normal human beings, we can't. That kind of narcissism is sort of built in. As believers, however, God has already changed us and our wants so that what we really will want is to be first with God. But that does not mean we can simply sit tight and let it happen, twiddling our thumbs and living our lives the way we always have and the way that the world expects. We are to do a hard thing that seems easy. We are to, Jesus comes up with an example, welcome the child. But what has that got to do with humility? It fits. Since children were often considered back then to be similar in status to slaves, we are all too likely to sentimentalize this picture of Jesus with the children because we see children as children, not the way that humans typically saw them for most of human history. We see them as children, bright, cuddly, lovable, apt to say the cutest things, in the past, they were viewed as deficient adults. They were dressed like many adults. If you go back and look at the old paintings, you can see that. They were put to work like many adults. They were the least of the Lord's siblings. Welcome the least of the Lord's siblings, Jesus says to those who would be oh so spiritually grown up, so mature. You disciples say to other people, to those around you, come up higher, higher than you are, higher maybe than you think you deserve to be, higher than me. It's not easy being last. It's even more difficult to step aside 
for others to go before you and to be happy and welcoming about it. Think of a long line at the checkout counter at Vons or Stater Brothers. As you stand last in line, you see a frail grandmother type carrying a basket with only two items, ready to take her place in line behind you. And your card is filled with a couple dozen various items. No problem. Go ahead. You'll be checked through before I've unloaded my cart. But then along comes another person, this time a pushy type, breezily saying, mind if I go ahead, I'm sort of in a hurry. And then, don't we all, you want nothing better, you see, than to let that pushy shopper earn the title of greatest by being stuck at the back of the line. That's not a completely fair example, of course. There is such a thing as fairness and taking turns. But think of the greatest of all greatness, what God has done for us. Here Jesus spells out again for his disciples what he is about to do in order to let us go first, all of us pushy types, all of us wearing out our welcome with him day after day and yet always being welcomed yet once again. Only the mind and mercy of God can compute how it works. The Son of Man is betrayed into human hands, inhuman hands, we would like to say. He's killed on a cross. Three days after he's killed, he rises again. He is alive. And the result of his passionate service is that every one of us prodigals is welcomed home again, is met by God the Father, even while we are a great way off, a God and Father who calls us daughter and son and urges all of the heavenly hosts to rejoice with him, for these my sons and daughters were lost, but now they are found. They were dead in trespasses and sin, but now they are alive in Christ Jesus and by the Holy Spirit. We have trouble with this. God making more out of the less and the least. Our egos scramble for respect, and for some people, disrespecting them is the greatest possible offense, so much so that we make a joke out of the least and the lowly. Consider Rodney Dangerfield, the comedian who made a career out of getting no respect. <clears throat> His opening successful joke was, I get no respect, I played hide-and-go-seek as a kid, and they wouldn't even look for me. Or later, my fan club broke up, the guy died. Or last week, my house was on fire, my wife told the kids, be quiet, you'll wake up daddy. <laughs> you want one more? <laughs> I was ugly, very ugly. When I was born, the doctor smacked my mother. Not exactly what Jesus has in mind. Certainly not Jesus. But how much respect did Christ get when they put a purple robe around him, stuck a crown of thorns on his head, hit him, spit at him, mocked him, and then led him out to put him to death on public display? Christ crucified a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles, St. Paul says. But surely not to us, those who are the called by God's Spirit. 
To us, the crucified one is Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. The wisdom of God. Even though the disciples did not understand what he was saying, Mark says, and were afraid to ask him, surely we understand what he was talking about. Odd of God, indeed, to humble himself in Jesus, the Son, to be last and the servant of all, in order that he might be both under the law and nailed on the cross for us, and so that we might be welcomed by him into the heavenly family. Oh, blessed oddness. What prodigals would reject the Father's welcome, the rings on their fingers, the festive robes on their shoulders? Who would complain about the way the Father arranged the welcome? And if we gladly accept this wisdom of God by which we are saved, won't we also agree to and understand the wise counsel to make ourselves last and make others welcome? Now, of course, the issue is about passing that welcome along. Welcomed by God in that uninhibited, unlimited, unreserved, incomprehensible way, we are to welcome everyone that God welcomes. Any friend of God's must be a friend of ours. We are to choose being the last of all and the servant of all. Jesus took a little child, Mark says, and put it among them, and taking it in his arms, he said to them, whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me welcomes not me, but the one who sent me. What is our welcoming problem? In the epistle lesson, James makes our weakness very clear. Where there is envy and selfish ambition, there will also be disorder and wickedness of every kind. James asks, those conflicts and disputes among you, where do they come from? And James says about us, from your cravings, your wanting, your coveting, your wrong asking, your friendship with the world, and then bottom line, your pride. It's fitting that Jesus gives his second summary of his sacrifice just before pointing out this problematic wanting to be the greatest. He came to change us, to alter our constant craving for greatness. And his method was to welcome us, no matter what we were like, no matter who we are or who we had been, to make himself the servant of all, to be last and least, so that we could be forgiven and made first. And to give us an example how. He took that little child. Everyone can love a baby. But what if we knew how that child grew up? If you knew that he was neglected at home, abused by companions, that he fell into bad company and became a robber and was himself crucified, perhaps even next to Jesus. And if you knew that there on the cross, Jesus took him again, not into his arms, for they were nailed to his own cross, but took him into his forgiving embrace and promised him, today you'll be with me in paradise. If you knew that, 
would you still excuse yourself from welcoming all those that the Lord welcomes? Would you, if you knew that? Of course, we do not know how that child or any child is going to turn out. We don't even know how we ourselves will turn out very accurately often. But we do know this, that Jesus never turned away any that came to him. This Jesus welcomed all. This Jesus was the servant of all. This Jesus was the greatest who made himself least so that we might be great with God in his kingdom forever. And this Jesus has made each one of us great in spite of the fact that we aren't. This Jesus has welcomed us. The Father who sent him has welcomed us. And each one of us can become greater than we are, than we have been by being last and losers and dead in him so that he can raise us up. Because before any resurrection, there has to be a death, the death of self to God in Christ. All that God has done in Christ Jesus' agony and resurrection has worked together for good for us. For we love God and we are called according to his purpose. In faith, day by day, we are more and more conformed to the image of Christ's greatness in reaching out to the loveless, no matter what the cost. We know more and more that we are within a large family of the welcomed. The Holy Trinity has taken us up in the arms of holy baptism and has placed us among the family of the church. You're welcome, God says. You can welcome, God says. Come up higher. Amen. And may the peace of God which passes understanding keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus to life everlasting. Amen.